from January 5th, 2020 to March 8th, 2020, here at Mountaintop, we averaged 1,045 people in worship between two services. And on March 15th, 2020, we had zero people in worship. A skeleton AV and tech crew gathered with a very small band, not a big full one like was up here today. And I did something that I've never done before in my entire life in ministry. I preached to empty chairs. And of course I knew there were hundreds on the other side of that camera and some of you are on the other side of that camera this morning. And we got better as the weeks went on during the pandemic of learning how to engage with people who were watching online digitally while there was no one here. But I'll never forget that very first Sunday, March 15th, 2020. I sat right up there in that upper level. I don't know why I typically sit right down here. And I wept as I tried to sing with the band. because I was all alone in this big old auditorium. And I knew my family was on their couch at home alone. And I knew you, my church family, was at home alone. And we're not supposed to do this alone. There's something about when people get together, even God said, it's not good. It's not good for humans to be alone. Hey, if you're brand new here today uh, or you're brand new watching, I want to introduce myself. My name is Carter McInnes. I'm a lead pastor here at Mountaintop, and we're so honored to have you join us or so honored to have you tuning in. We're in a series called Follower this summer. We're walking through what we believe are seven steps, seven marks of a follower of Jesus. Like, what is it? that really sets us apart? What are the things that we are called to do that we should do? And worship is one of those. And boy, our ideas about worship and what it meant to gather have changed a lot, gone through a seismic shift in the last 15 months, haven't they? I mean, for a while, none of us felt safe to gather and we all worshiped with our slippers on. Do you remember that? Or we at least sat with our slippers on and watched and then a very few of us began to feel safe to gather again, and it was weird to worship. The only thing weirder than no one in here was about 70 people in here, six feet apart. And we struggled to figure out what it meant to sing with masks on. Some of you remember that. And then uh, some of us learned uh, to engage a little bit better online and we began to figure out how to enter the chat and it felt a little better. It felt sort of like gathering. And then slowly over the last 15 months, slowly over uh, the spring and now this summer, every single week, more people are feeling safer to return. And that will probably last for quite a while as people begin to trickle back into whatever is now normal. But this season has made us ask some questions that our staff has wrestled with and probably every Christian in America has wrestled with when it comes to this because it changed everything. This is the questions that we begin to ask. Does corporate worship matter? That's a question we had to ask when we could no longer worship corporately. 
does worship only happen corporately? Does it count if I'm not in the room? Does it count if I'm not gathered? Is worship only music? Is that just the worship part? Is there like the worship music, and then there's a prayer, and then there's some preaching? Is that all worship is? And can you worship digitally? Can you, if you're sitting in, some of you are sitting there, some of you, everybody at home's going, yeah, of course you can. And all of us dared to do that for a season, and we all would have said 15 months ago, well, yes, absolutely, I'm worshiping. Boy, those are, those are some questions we've all had to wrestle with over the last 15 months, aren't they? Like, we've, we've had to redefine and re-engage with what it means to worship. And I want to talk about worship today because we believe that one of the marks of a faithful follower of Jesus is that we would worship passionately. That we don't just clock in and come to church and we don't just log on and turn on the phone or turn on, the, uh, turn on YouTube or, or, or turn on the computer. I mean, you can kind of clock in and log on easy, but I'm talking about when we enter the doors or when we enter the chat that we are truly worshiping passionately. And I want to talk about two different angles of worship. So I'm going to, I'm going to have us look at two different passages. I'm kind of breaking my rule. I typically only preach on one passage, but we're going to look at two because these are two different sides of worship. And I want to look at these, both of these angles of worship. The first is found in Hebrews chapter 10. So if you got your Bible there, you're at home, you're here, or you got your app open, if you don't have a hard copy Bible, we wanna give one to you. When you leave, if you're in the room, those bookshelves as you exit, please take one. We want that to be our gift to you. So we're gonna be in Hebrews 10 chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and this is what the writer of Hebrews starts off saying. It says, let us, do you notice let who? Us. Not you should do this, not an individual, not I. This is an us. Let us, we, get, we do this together, corporately. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The writer of Hebrews lets us in on something that you probably know and, and that I have experienced is that sometimes the world tries to wrangle this hope out of our hands. Right? There are voices in the world, there are powers in the world that are going to try to tell you that God is not faithful, that God, you can't count on God, that God is not going to come through. You're going to have some rotten days where you're going to be asking the question, God, are you even there? And the writer of Hebrews says, so I want you to hold unswervingly to this and don't listen to those voices and don't listen to those powers. We need to do this together, hold. And he gives some more direction that you're gonna need some help to do this, basically is what he says. He says, here's how you can hold unswervingly to this. Let us then, again, let us together, me and you, we over me, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. If you want to hold on to this hope and you want to keep the faith when the world is trying to tell you that God is not going to be faithful, when the world is trying to tell you that you should give up on God, if you want to hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus, then we need to spur one another on. We need to encourage one another. We need each other. 
And then, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of the Lord. That's what he's talking about. Habits. Writer Hebrews talking about all this hope and faith and good deeds and encouraging. And then he talks about habits. We, fade, we, we, we formed some new habits in COVID. Anybody else form new habits in COVID? You probably had some good ones. I started getting up really early. There, I'm not, I have not been a morning person. COVID made me a morning person. I don't know why. But I just started getting up really early. It's been a blessing to me. I get up and I read and, and, and I you know, have my prayer or write in my journal. I started getting up really early. I got into that habit. Um, I never got into the habit of getting my mask from the car. Did anybody else struggle with that? I counted. I went back to my car when I was going into a store or restaurant or somewhere to grab my mask approximately 7,000 times in the last 15 months. Anybody else struggle with this? I'm like, why can't I get it to grab the mask off the, off the gear shift there? Right? I always kept it. I always forgot uh, the mask. But can we, just kinda, can we just have a moment of clarity that we also created new worship habits in COVID? And can we just all be transparent with one another, okay? It became really easy to worship in our PJs. Right? It became really easy to go to church in our PJs. By the way, here at Mountaintop, you're welcome to actually come to the building in your PJs, like whatever you wear. Come as you are. That's what we are. Uh, come as you are. But it got easy to worship in our PJs. Now, I'm not telling you that you can't worship in your PJs, but, but I do want to speak into something here a minute. And, and I'll, I want to talk about two sides of this. There are some, and some of you are watching at home right now, who feel that the re and the reason that you're still watching in your PJs is because for your family, it's safer. You, have a, you are at risk or you have a family member who is at risk. You have um, some health complications. Uh, you, have some concern, you have some health concerns that won't let you get vaccinated or won't let your fam a family member get vaccinated. So you are really uh, feel, still feel safer at home and still this thing is all the way through and we might feel like it's 80 or 90% through, but you need it for it to be 100% for your family. And I just want you to know something. I'm not talking to you this morning if for you, you're there because it's still safer for your family. And I'm praying and we are hoping that one day it will all 100% be over and you will feel safer to return, but that is between you, your doctor, and the Lord. And we're, we're hopeful for that. There are people with different health concerns that I don't have, that you don't have, that some of you are watching. I'm not talking to you safer. That's a whole nother conversation. I'm talking about those for whom it became easier. That it just, can we just, can we just be honest? It just got easier. But the truth is, COVID didn't create this. This has been going on, church attendance in America has been declining for decades. It has always been easier to go to the lake. It's easier to play golf. It's easier to make pancakes and just, 
It's easier to stay up late watching a movie on Saturday night and sleep in on Sunday morning. It's just easier. You work five days a week. You cut the grass or went to ball games on Saturday or lugged kids around or ran errands. And can we just, can we just confess it? It's just easier to sleep in on Sunday morning. It's just easier. It's just easier. It's easier to sleep in, easier to forget. It's just easier. But something happens, the writer Hebrew says, when we quit making a habit of gathering with the body. The church is a people. We, we are not created to do life alone. alone. Something happens when we gather together. And what the writer of Hebrews says this about, this is the first thing I want you to know about worship, is worship is communal. Worship happens Together, when we are in the habit of, of being together, the Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, a gathered, a people. Worship is communal. The great theologian John Wesley said that there's no evidence in the Bible of a solitary Christian. Nowhere in the Bible is there evidence of a Christian who just did this thing alone. We are all supposed to be together. When you sit with others, when you sing with others, when you fellowship with others, when you pray with others, when you worship with others, something happens. Jesus said that I will build my church. And the word he used for church was ecclesia. I will build, my, that means assembly or gathering or people. I will build my gathering. And we can gather online, absolutely. But it is a front porch gathering. It is a front porch gathering. And here at Mountaintop, we have spent a lot of money painting that front porch and done a lot of work sprucing it up so that digitally we can connect with people on a front porch. But you know as well as I know that if you have friends that you only get together on the front porch, that there is a level to that relationship that just doesn't go deeper. You know that a different kind of conversation happens on the couches. A different kind of conversation happens when you're sitting around the kitchen all munching on some food. And a whole nother conversation happens when you go all the way through the house and sit around a fire in the backyard. And if you stay only digital and you never get into that communal worship, then you're, with the church, with the body of Christ, you are just going to have a front porch kind of relationship. Yes, we gather online, but there's something that happens when someone hugs you, when someone slaps you on the back, when somebody says, how's your knee feeling? When somebody greets you and gives you a cup of coffee, when somebody prays with you in the atrium, there's something that happened. Worship is meant to be communal, and the writer of Hebrews says, don't get out of the habit of meeting together. Get into the habit of meeting together. So, are we just supposed to come to church? Is that it? Like, just come to church? Um, what's the start? I believe what the writer of Hebrews says. I believe what the word of God says in Hebrews, that meeting together is important. But, long before COVID, we had questions about worship long before we even knew what online church was. Uh, we had questions about worship. Remember what we said, is it just the music part? Is it just the singing part? Um, and for hundreds of years, we've used this word to just talk about worship. It's an interesting word to me, reverent. I grew up in a time and in a community of faith where this was really important. You'd be reverent. Now, typically what we mean by that is we need to be 
reserved, respectful. Frankly, it meant quiet. And it's really interesting because the word for worship that every New Testament writer uses the most, it's in the New Testament 60 times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, the writer of Hebrews, all use this term. The word for worship that is used in the New Testament doesn't have a lot to do with reverence. The word is proskuneo. Now, it meant to kiss the ring of a king, sort of. That was, it's actually a word that has oriental roots. It, would, it really meant from the, the Persians would use this word that meant to get on both knees and put your forehead on the ground. It's the word that we get our term prostrate. Prostrate before a king or before God. But the root of that Persian word, this I love this, the root of that Persian word, before it meant to kiss a ring, before it went to get on your knees, this is what it meant. A dog licking his master's hand. You ever seen that? You got a dog that's going to do that to you when you get home? Total and utter abandonment. Have you ever seen a dog licking his or her master's hand and gone, gone, that's so reverent. No, you say, that dog doesn't give a care in the world. That dog is so in love, so in love with his owner, so in love with his mama, with his daddy. That dog doesn't care what you think or what anybody thinks. And I want you to keep that in mind because that's kind of the, this mindset has been around actually more than a hundred of years. It's been around for thousands of years. It's the one Jesus speaks into on the other side of this worship issue that I want to talk about. And it's found in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 37. It says this, <clears throat> When he came, this is Jesus, near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd, there's a gathering again, there's an assembly, there's a group of people, the whole crowd of disciples begin joyfully to praise God in, would you say this with me, loud voices, loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They had loud voices. The crowd was gathered because worship is communal and they were loud. What were they saying? Well, they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory on the highest, in the highest. You think it had like a little tune? Maybe. Had a little melody. They were saying blessing. They were saying peace. Glory over and over and over again. God inhabits the praises of his people. Worship is vocal. Worship is not just communal and it is not just, worship is vocal. We are to speak it. We are to sing it. We are to shout it. And brothers, brothers, Men, men, brothers, real men who are followers of Jesus sing his praises. You don't have to sing good. You don't have to sing on pitch. 
You don't have to sing on key. You don't have to sing on beat. That's why we turn the music up loud and the lights down low so no one can see you, see you or hear you. But we sing. Now, I grew up on hymns, but one of the things I love about the, the modern worship music is that it opens up this possibility, I believe, anymore. A lot of people talk about modern worship music, and they're like, I don't like that modern music because they just sing the same choruses and the same bridges over and over and over. And I always say, you are really not going to like heaven where the angels sing, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come day and night forever and ever. In day two in heaven, you're going to be like, I don't like this music. I like it. But when we sing those praises and those songs and they repeat, all of a sudden we stop reading the words on the screen and we start singing praise with our hearts. Something begins to happen in us. Worship is vocal. It's vocal. The religious leaders, they don't like it at all, the ones that are nearby. And this is what they say. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're loud. That, that's irreverent. That, that's, they need to be more reserved. Rebuke them. That's weird. Even some of the men are singing. I mean, I saw one woman with her hand raised and there was another guy who thought about it, but he was just doing a little chicken wing. He almost. All right. Let's talk about hand raising. Okay. So I grew up going to a very traditional, pretty conservative church. And I'm talking about like if somebody said amen in the church I grew up, everybody looked around like, who was that? Nobody make noise in my home church. Nobody, and so I grew up in a church where if someone raised their hand, you're like, yeah, she done raised her hand. She'll be running up and down the aisles for long. It's like, it's only a matter of time, right? Anybody else grew up in a church like that? Like, what is this hand raising? And it's still like, you're a little, like, I don't know. What are they doing? Here's what I want to tell you. I wouldn't ever, ever, never, ever want you to do something that was forced or inauthentic. But what I, what the question I would want to ask you in worship is this. Is my posture worshipful? What is my posture saying about worship? If you sit down at a family dinner or you go to a business meeting and the entire time you're doing this, what is your body language saying about that meeting? So if the entire time while the band is you're like standing up doing this, What's your body? I don't, listen, you're not going to, the band's going to rock out. They don't care. What are you saying to God? What's your posture saying to God? Because it is about being vulnerable for God. This is more vulnerable. This is more vulnerable. It is about being abandoned. It is about being a dog. <laughs> Just totally carefree. One of God's children. Well, Jesus' response is like the last thing I expected him to say. I mean, I, if I'm thinking it's going to go one or two ways, right, he's going to tell the guys, hey, guys, listen, take it down a notch. Or maybe he's going to go, hey, boys, crank it up to 11. Don't listen to what these guys say. Or something in between there. But I, I never would have expected that he's going to respond this way. Jesus says this. 
I tell you, well, let me just read it for you. Uh, it says this, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they don't praise me and you don't praise me, Pharisees, and nobody will praise me, then I'll make the rocks praise me because it ain't about them and it ain't about you. It's about me and I am going to be praised. And you can join the company of heaven and join the praise or you can sit there like a rock. And if you sit there like a rock, I'll put breath in the rock's lungs and they'll praise my name because I am going to be praised. God put breath in our lungs to put praise in our mouths together. God put breath in our lungs to put praise in our mouths together. That is the purpose for which we were created. So do you worship passionately or do you watch the band worship? Do you worship God in song or just read the words on the screen? And I'm not talking about something that's manufactured and something that's fake. I'm talking about abandonment, the kind of worship that says, Jesus, I don't have it all together, but I need you, I want you, I, all I want is you. And follower of Jesus, friend, let me tell you something. If you can't take this step as a follower of Jesus, there will be a limit to your spiritual depth. If you can't go all in, if you can't learn to truly worship God, then there will be a lid to how, how high you can go in your relationship with God. Because what you're saying is that my pride is more important than my passion to worship. So, I wanna give you two challenges. I wanna give you two challenges. Number one, make gathering a priority. If your life is on a green light, and that means you're going to stores, going to restaurants, you're going to ball games, concerts, make a priority to worship with your church family in person unless you're sick or out of town. Make gathering a priority. If you are at home because you are safer at home because you've got a health risk, what would it look like for you to gather with two or three people or a family across the street or maybe some family that you've been spending some time with? What would it, because Jesus didn't say where two or 300 or two or 3,000 are gathered, I'll be there also. He said where two or three are gathered. So make gathering with your small group a priority, even if that small group is just your family. If you are watching, out of state, out of town, out of the country, we're so grateful you're watching. There's two things I would tell you about this. Number one is I hope you'll have a local church. We're so glad that the digital front porch has opened a door for you to connect, but we want you to be connected to a local church. If you don't have a local church and you want Mountaintop to be your local church, get five or six friends to start watching with you. You get that number up to about 2030, we'll plan a campus where you're at. And I'm serious as a heart attack. Because you need a church family, and we can, be, we can be a mountaintop church family wherever you are, but you need to gather. Because we're, we can't just be about, worship isn't just about getting some content. It is about gathering with people. Make gathering a priority. <clears throat> and make noise. Make some noise. Worship is not just communal. It is 
vocal. We, God inhabits the praises of his people. And this isn't just important in the gathering. It's important when you're, you know, cutting grass or when you're in the shower or you're riding in the car or when no one else is around. Worship is about laying my life down before God. Worship isn't just about coming to church and it's not just about singing. But listen, if you will lay down an hour every Sunday for God and you will lay down your pride to sing for God, you will get so much better at laying down your life for God.